welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Say. Welcome to another episode of the Kasafa Show as we draw 2021 to a close and look forward to another busy 12 months coming up. We will hear from the FIFA president, Gianni Infantino, as he addressed the delegates at the recent CAF Congress and outlined his vision for world and African football. We also get the thoughts of former Bafana Bafana defender Mark Fish, who was recently part of the technical study group at a hugely successful Kasafa Beach Soccer Championship that was staged in Durban. Matty Patterson is a name that many Mamelodi Sundown supporters will remember after he spent three seasons at Klerkop. We find out what the 35-year-old former Bafana international is up to now and what his plans are for the future. First, we hear from FIFA President Infantino, who is hoping to drive through change in the global game, at least a World Cup every two years. This is what he had to say to Africa's football leadership on a range of issues. It's our responsibility to keep the dream open, to give opportunities to everyone. And obviously, when you debate, when you consult, you find out that some are in favor, that others are against. This democracy it is healthy. It is the consultation and uh, the debate. And obviously, as well, it's natural and understandable. Those who are against are those who are at the top. It happens in every sector of life, when there are reforms and changes, those who are at the top, they don't want anything to change because they are at the top. They are afraid, maybe, that if something changes, their leadership position is at risk. We understand that. And we compliment and applaud them for having been so successful in reaching the top. This is fantastic. And they are an example for everyone. But at the same time, we cannot close the door. We need to keep the door open. We need to give hope. We need to give opportunities to the entire world. 40 countries in Africa have been fighting in order to get 10 group winners. And even the 10 group winners are not qualified yet for the World Cup. So another two games will decide on the five who go to the World Cup. And those who don't qualify, they have to wait four years for the next World Cup. So we need to give more opportunities to all the teams to play with each other. Will it be with the World Cup? Will it be in another way, we have to study, of course, all this. And we are consulting, but we need to offer more chances and opportunities for world football, for African football to shine at the world stage. And this is valid for men's football. This is valid for women's football. And, of course, as well for youth football, which is part of the reform process and for which we really believe that we need to have youth competitions every year, and not just every two years, because... We lose in those continents like Africa, where the competitions for youth take place only every two years. We always lose a generation. If you're not born in the right months, in the right year, you maybe have no opportunity to compete and to play and to improve your skills. So we continue to consult. We continue to speak. We thank you for uh, your views, for your input. Because that's what I said at the very beginning of my first uh, uh, election in, in FIFA. I want to give to all of you not only the possibility to come to a FIFA Congress and press a button and vote yes or no to what is presented to you, but I want to give all of you the opportunity to speak, to have a voice. And everyone in the world will have to listen to your voice before taking any decision. This is inclusion. This is fighting 
against discrimination in a real and factual way. This is giving chances and opportunities to everyone. And this is what we will continue to focus on. Speaking about competitions, if I still have a couple of minutes, dear President, uh, another topic which will be on the agenda uh, today is, of course, the Pan-African Super League. We have been speaking about national teams, which are the heart of every one of us. We are all fans of our country. But we need to speak as well about club football, about how can we make club football in Africa better. And we've been discussing this and we are discussing it and you will discuss it later here today as well. It is important that uh, we think about new ways of projecting African football, not only in Africa, but as a global event. The passion, the talent that there is in Africa is unequaled in the world. And we need to show this to the world, and we can show this if we have the right stage for the best African clubs to shine on a regular basis in Africa and all over the world, to be able to maintain talent, to be able to generate revenues which can be reinvested in the game. So count on the full support of FIFA, of course, when developing club competitions and Pan-African Super League uh, for the future of African football. Speaking about partnership, cooperation, I would like to mention as well, and you will receive a presentation later on on this topic, as your president mentioned earlier, about the African qualifiers for the World Cup. For the first time, we have entrusted FIFA to commercialize the rights. We have done so in close partnership with CAF and with President Patrice Ponsepe in particular. And the results that we can present for this commercialization for the first time done jointly are very positive. I think it is the only sports property which increased in value in the time of COVID. We have been able to commercialize these rights, increasing the overall value by 20%. And because at the same time, and because at the same time we've been able to reduce the costs by 50% compared to the past, we are able to distribute to African football 40% more. So instead of 25 million, 36 million will go back to African football in a time of COVID. This is not uh, magic. This is not uh, uh, because uh, FIFA is so, is so great. This is only because we have been working together. I've been with President Patrice Motsepe to some meetings to try to convince uh, some investors who have to buy these rights. And this is just the beginning. But we wanted to go through that to test whether there is an appetite for top African football. And there is an appetite for top African football in Africa and all over the world. And we have to build on this success. 40% more revenues to be distributed to the associations in Africa. It's a first step and much more on that will, of course, um, come. Another topic towards the end of this extraordinary General Assembly will be refereeing. Refereeing is uh, crucial for football. Without referees, there is no football. And like everyone, referees can make mistakes as well. And we need to understand that we have implemented VAR 
And I can assure you already now that for the playoffs of the World Cup qualifiers, there will be VAR in every match. We've implemented VAR to help the referees because it is so difficult to be a referee. And it's our responsibility to put the referees in the right conditions to perform at their best. How can we do that with the structures we have today? We have to change our structures. And also there, we are partnering FIFA and CAF together in order to professionalize refereeing, to take out the top referees of Africa, evaluate them every year, make them become better and better and better, specifically targeting training to them. And they will, in turn as well, be able to instruct young, talented referees from the entire continent. And with this, we elevate the whole of refereeing in Africa again, together in a partnership. And we make sure that even if a referee makes a mistake, because this will continue to happen, everyone will know that at least we have put him in the best conditions, that he has made his best, that he is getting or she is getting better and better thanks to the professional approach. And the chairman of uh, the referees in the world, Luigi Collina, will uh, speak to you about uh, this topic. And of course, uh, Pierluigi Colina is not only the best referee ever, but a true, true expert and passionate about refereeing. He has designed this project together with some of you, and uh, uh, we will implement it together to give and elevate African referees to a different status. It's called the STARS Refereeing Partnership. Mark Fish had a stellar career in Europe, playing in Italy, Serie A and the English Premier League, and won the 1996 Africa Cup of Nations with Bafana Bafana. He's now looking to give back to the local game through various projects and was recently part of the Kasafa Beach Soccer Championship. Having also played beach soccer at international level for South Africa, he's well-placed to offer his views on the tournament and more. There's been some fantastic goals. Um, good football, some fantastic players. Um, I've enjoyed uh, watching Mozambique and we can see that they have been to the recent World Cup and um, Tanzania is also a good team. So, yes, there's been um, teams that um, have showcased football as, as it should be showcased and I've enjoyed it very much. Just talking about your career, if I can regress for a moment, 62 caps for Bafana Bafana. Um, some great memories there. You've played all around the world, many clubs in England, Lazio in Italy, even a, a lone game, I believe, for Ipswich in 2005 and locally for Cosmos and Pirates. Uh, any Outstanding memories that you can think of. Uh, I, I suppose winning the Cup of Nations in 2006 has got to rank right up there. No, no. So um, I, I like that you said 2000, 2006. It makes me 10 years younger. It's 1996. <laughs> but um, no, I just think that, you know, every club, I've been very fortunate, as you said, every club I've been to, I've had a different experience. You know, I can I can name all of them. Each club I've gone to, you know, Cosmos, my first club, obviously mm-hmm. Orlando Pirates. Um, then Lazio and playing with the likes of Alessandro Nesta and just to name a few. Um, um, then going to, to Bolton Wanderers and obviously obviously Charlton, as you said, alone and Spala Ipswich. Yeah, I've been very fortunate to 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 play in African 11s, World 11s. But, uh, you know, again, um, probably everyone would think 1996, certainly I do think it's, it ranks right up there. But, uh, you know, for me, it's always passionate. And I think that um, our 1995 victory with Orlando Pirates is yeah. always the special thing to me because it was a two-legged final, as everyone knows. And, you know, drawing 2-2 at home, I don't think anyone gave us a chance to go to uh, Abidjan to get the result, and we did. So um, very fortunate to have some fantastic memories. Had some very bad memories as well. You 
know, losing to Lucas Khadebi at Leeds 6-1, that wasn't a good memory. But uh, I think we had our, our um, revenge where I think it was a season later or two seasons later where we went to Ellen Road and we beat them 1-0 and that actually got them relegated. So um, some fond memories, but, you know, playing um, against some of the um, best players in the world, playing with some of the best players in the world, um, I've been very fortunate to have a um, fantastic career. And um, now, now it's the time to, I wouldn't say now, but um, you know, since I've stopped playing football, it's time to give back. And, you know, to be here at the, the Kasafa Beach Tournament here in the KZN is part of giving back. So we can all work together to not only make beach football, but make African football better. Before I ask you about what you're doing these days, I just want to regress to that tournament. I got my dates wrong. Indeed, 1996. I was there. I was commentating. I should know that. <laughs> um, Mark, your memorable goal against Algeria in the quarterfinals, does that stand out as as probably one of the most famous goals that you've scored? Yeah, yeah probably. It's a, it was, a, as, you, as you said, there. It's a, it was an important goal at the time. Um, but then, sure, I do look that, you know, wasn't long after scoring the goal, you know, Algeria equalized. Um, but then um, the, the late uh, John Mache has scored a spectacular individual goal for us to go on to win. So, again, you know, 96 fond memories. And um, I certainly do, you know, we've we've had, I've had, we've had three or three of those players pass on, which is Cesar um, um, Matong, as I said, long, uh, John Shoes Macheo and Philemon uh, Chipper Masinga. So, fond memories, I miss them. But um, I think that was a period of South African football that was important for us. You know, um, we did all we could do for not only South African football, but for African football. And um, we need that back. We need that back in South Africa so that we can um, galvanize um, South Africans, getting them behind Bafana Bafana, which I must say, I think the, the Bafana team now in the World Cup qualifiers have done right. have done that. I think they've played um, fantastic football. I think they're giving a lot more pride and bringing a lot more pride back to um, South African fans. So. Uh, long may it continue. You talk about giving back. Obviously, you're giving back a fair bit by being here and lending your presence to this event. What else are you busy with these days in terms of football and just generally? Oh, so just generally, it's, uh, it's exciting times. So I'm looking forward to working a little bit more with uh, the Kasafa team and work on their legacy programs that they do um, around the around the Kasafa region. So um, I've been doing a uh, shorter version of football, which I play on, on the farms, the rural areas. I did that for the last four or five years in Limpopo. Now I've actually moved to KZN, so I'm actually a Kzenena. Okay. I um, all you guys that come from Cape Town, pointing to the photographer, or you you Valleys and you Cape Tonys that come to our province, respect our province. But um, no, it's uh, it's exciting times. Um, again. Uh, to change football and to to develop football, not only as I said in South Africa, in the Kasafa region, on the whole continent, it's, it's important for us ex-players to be involved because, yeah. as we as we've seen, our football. Yes, we have fantastic individuals, but our African football, you know, of the last World Cup, we didn't go through the second round, so yeah. something's amiss. Something needs to happen, and let's hope that um, what we can do as um, ex-players, um, people that are passionate about the game, that we can help um, move football um, forward on the continent. Maddie Patterson played in the English Premier League for Newcastle United and also locally for Mamelodi Sundowns, Bidvespits and Santos with some success. The former Bafana Bafana International returned to the United Kingdom in 2014, age 27, but didn't play league football after that. He explains that decision and what he's up to now. A lot of ex-pros that have dropped down the leagues um, playing non-league football uh, in the UK. So it's 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 just a, it's just a case of you know obviously as you, as you get older you're, you know you're playing in the UK it's a lot colder it takes a lot out of your body uh, pitches are heavy um, you know and, and, I, and I have I don't have that sort of that half a yard that I used to have so <laughs> so that that makes it tougher as well. Um, Good old wear and tear, I suppose. That's it. Yeah. And Tommy, um, are you going to stay in the game? Is there uh, maybe some coaching 
And then how do you kind of um, make the breakthrough at, at club level there? How do you sort of get yourself up the coaching ladder? Well, I've been, I've been coaching alongside, uh, you know, playing over, over the last probably four years now. So um, I've done the, I've been doing the academy at Gated for, for the past three years. And then I, I've just moved on to, to a school in, um, a school in the Northeast where I run the academy program in the school. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the coaching. So that's my, that's my full time. My full-time job now. Um, you know, the football, the football is just alongside alongside my my job. So that's certainly something that I'll I'll, keep, I'll continue to do and, and look to look to kick on with with obviously all the the necessary you know qualifications etc. It's just a case of um, you know a lot of luck's involved. Um, you know, football is obviously is a, is a massive game of, of who you know. So um, you know, it's just one of them. If 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 you, know, you can you can obviously apply for all the jobs that are available, but. You know, somewhere along the line, you might know somebody that's in there and, and, and willing to give you give you a chance. Obviously, like I did, like I did at Gated, where you know I knew that the assistant manager and he's he, he's asked me to come in and, and do the academy. So it's just it's just one of those, really. Um, you know, like I said, especially when you've played the game, that you tend to get jobs a lot easier over in over this side. Um, you know, which I suppose is is, is like that in, over in South Africa as well. You know, so it's just a case of of just. Keeping keeping doing what I'm doing, and then you know who, who knows what's what's around the corner. And um, just in terms of, I mean, when you left Vitz, I mean, you 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 were not yet 30 years old. Why why did you? Was it a deliberate thing to play non-league football, or did you? Why did you not play a bit of football league? I mean, you surely would have walked into some of those teams. Is the cash yeah, bad, or uh... it's just I think you know I certainly came over with the view. Obviously, my my first reason for coming home was family reasons. Um, sure. Obviously, my, I just had a, had my my second daughter, so um, you know it was it was becoming a lot harder being in, being over in, in South Africa alone without without the family. You know, it's you know, it was it was tough. I'd done it for a long time out there, so you know that was the main reason for coming home. But um, you know, it's sort of coming home. I definitely came came back with a view of going into league football. You know, and, and I, I did go to numerous clubs and, and train, and and you know, obviously went to go and play with old coaches that, that give me the opportunity to come in, but. Money was a big issue, um, you know, sort of out, out of sight, out of mind. It was 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 a big thing, you know. Being over in South Africa for five years, a lot of coaches maybe don't want to don't want to take the gamble when there's a player that's it could be similar to yourself that's been playing in in the UK for the last you know five ten years. So um, I found it difficult, and then in the in the end, ended up at at, at Gated. That was that was on my doorstep in in the national league. So uh, that was it, really. Um, you know, I certainly didn't plan. Plan on um, on going into non-league, and you know, if if, if I if I could have done that, I would have played out in South Africa till till I retired. If if you know, if I could have done that. And so, when you sort of sit back now in your in your rocking chair with your whiskey in your hand, and you reflect back on your career, you think you had a good one. I mean, are you happy with with the way things went? You know, it's I, I am, and I'm, and I, and I, I suppose, I, and I'm not. I, I know that I could have done a lot more. Um, you know, made quite a lot of mistakes throughout throughout my my career. Uh, they were my own doing, um, you know. But certainly, when I when you when you weigh it up and you look at the the, the, the sorry the statistics for for footballers obviously going on to have the career I've had, it's not it's not very high. So you know, there's definitely I definitely have pride um, and obviously played for my country, which not many people can say. So there's certainly elements of of pride and, and, and happiness with my career, but certainly I could have done more. Um, you know, like I said, I probably would have liked to have to have kicked on and stayed in South Africa probably and had that, you know, had my sort of 30s to 30, 35s in, in South Africa and then really kicked on. Yeah, and I mean, it would have been, it would have been, um, 
a player of your acumen would have done well in that kind of. I mean, even if you move back into into defence or something like that. I mean, you could have had it. You could have gone a lot longer. Certainly, I'm mean, like I say, I was I was just sort of coming up to thirty, I think, when I came came back, possibly even younger. Um, you know, so there was a lot. There was a lot left in me, and you know, like I say, playing in South Africa is is a lot easier for reasons. You know, the weather, um, things things like that. Uh, you know, do do help you a hell of a lot compared to coming over and playing in the, in the UK. I think you can probably get an easy probably two years more out of your career over in South Africa, just just down to that. Yeah. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed playing out, out there. Um, you know, possibly would never, ever rule, rule out going back in the, in the future. Who knows? And what was your best sort of South African memory? Your time at something, something at Sundowns, perhaps? Or I'd have to say my most enjoyable time was 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 probably my first year at Sundowns under Stoichkov. I think that was that was where I certainly probably played my best stuff. Um, you know, and that that was when I think as a, as a, we had a, we had a good team. Obviously, we just missed out on the league, but I think certainly if we had a, if you had stayed and, and we could have built on the, on that first season, we we would have. We would have been a force in the in the coming years, um, but such as football, there's ma- managers you know chopping and changing all the time. It's it's difficult, you know, to keep to keep trying to prove yourself to new managers coming in. Um, but yeah, that was that was my most enjoyable time, I think, and obviously Vitz as well. I enjoyed enjoyed the spell there. That was a great club with with good people there. Um, you know, I really enjoyed that. And and I mean, you played with, I mean, or played under s- some incredible names. I mean, Stoichkov, Neskins. Um... That's quite uh, that's quite something in a CV, actually, you know. And then, of course, obviously, players that you played with when you when you were still at Newcastle and Norwich. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's been so many, and then managers in, in the UK as well. So there's a, there's a, there was a hell of a lot to you know, to take into my coaching coaching career so far. That you know, I've learned from different different coaches, managers, and even players. Um, you know, so I've been lucky in that sense where you know, I've had a array of, of talent both playing and coaching that, that I've been able to get advice from and, 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 and take forward and, and obviously continue to do so. That's it for another episode of the Kasafa Show as we bring a busy year to a close, one in which Kasafa was able to stage six tournaments despite the challenges around the COVID-19 pandemic. The plan is for much more in 2022. Don't forget you can listen to more of our podcasts on Sokoladuma Radio, Kasafa.tv, Spotify, and iTunes. You can also get the latest news via our website at www.kasafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. <laughs>